What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Wilson with Any Hour Services, and we're proud to help bring you this podcast. If you ever need a resource for information about your home's electrical, plumbing, heating, or air conditioning system, you can find Any Hour Services on Facebook, YouTube, or online at anyhourservices.com. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Welcome to Ideation Collective. I'm Jess Larson. Today on the show, we've got Joel and Kari Davis. It's all about the experience for the customer. It's not, you know, there's a lot of good chocolate out there to be had, but what we put forward to the customer is there are just wonderful experiences in your life that you sometimes allow to go past you. And we talk more about those events in their lives rather than the actual piece of chocolate so much itself. This is another episode of our Innovation and Leadership series where we interview rocket scientists, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, and a wide variety of other high achievers. If you like what you hear, we're also going to be releasing exclusive bonus materials like PDF checklists, reports, and presentations, but only for members of the collective. If you're interested in those, as of this recording, you can still join for free on the Ideation Collective website, which is iCollective.co slash free. Again, iCollective.co slash free. Also, before getting rolling, we want to invite you to consider helping the charity our founders started called Child Rescue. We work to combat child sex trafficking in the United States and abroad. One of our foreign projects we're working on right now is helping to build an aftercare orphanage in Cusco, Peru. To learn more about that, please come to the Child Rescue section on our website, iCollective.co slash Child Rescue. So with that out of the way, let's get to the interview. Guys, thanks for being on the show. Thank thanks, you. Jess. Good to talk to you. Um, so kind of excited, not just to talk about Le Dome champagne truffles, um, but, uh, you know, we're always asking guests on the show who's been a big influence to them early in your career. And, uh, so it's fun for me to be able to have mentors of mine on the show. And, uh, we, we obviously have a history that goes back. We'll talk a little bit about that, but, um, to begin with, tell us a bit about what Le Dome is. Well, Le Dome is a gourmet, uh, chocolate company. We've been in the chocolate business for quite some time. We've been, uh, importing chocolates for about 25 years. Uh, and, uh, so now we have our own chocolate factory. We've created our own sh- signature champagne truffles. Uh, they're champagne truffles that are made like corks that come out of champagne bottles, but they're made of the finest French and Belgian chocolate. And they're absolutely awesome. <laughs> um, and when we started talking, you know, when we started hanging out a decade ago and, and, uh, you were you were mentoring my brother and I in our entrepreneurial endeavors. Um, you, the two of you, had already been through a lot of uh, entrepreneurial roller coaster. Um, Kari, do you want to talk about uh, starting the first business and manufacturing right at home? Yes, Joel's Fresh Garden Salads. So uh, we noticed that there was not a fresh product in tra- in in, tra- in Seven Eleven that you could just go in and and get for yourself. And the packaging that would lead to us having an individually packaged salad, it sounds, you know, not noteworthy now, but at the time, there was no such thing. So we began to create the salads right in our living room, diner. Every room in the house was the salad manufacturing (laughs) operation. 
And eventually we went on to have a commercial kitchen. But yes, we started manufacturing those salads right in the living room. And that's where our interest in specialty food started. Well, you know, I think it's fun to have you guys on because in the, in the modern business media, you know, we talk so much about the kind of companies that are on the stock market. You know, the public companies are the ones that get the coverage. And we don't, you know, we don't necessarily hear so much about the other giant empires out there, the, the Mars candy corporations or the, the businesses, which in general, the largest private businesses in the country and, and often around the world are a family-owned, family-run business. Um, and so I think it's fun to have a husband and wife pair that have been business partners for 35 years. And, and um, tell me this, if I remember, you know, back 35 years ago when you first got married, you guys in college were talking about the import-export business and thinking about products back then. Is that right? That's true. Uh, we, we were both entrepreneurial, I suppose, by nature. And uh, going meeting in college and uh, studying business uh, and watching a lot of different examples in my marketing classes and in the news uh, got, got to be quite interesting for both of us. And we shared uh, an interest in that. And so as we went out into life, uh, first beginning after graduation, beginning working for a living and realizing uh, that that wasn't probably the best thing that we were suited for, uh, we just had... Uh, a yearning within us to start our own business, and uh, that's that's the road we went down. Well, it, it's fun for me to think uh, what that would have been like for you at that age, because I think you know my brother and I back in those California days when we first met you guys were were about the age that age, yes. and um, you know we were bright eyed and bushy tailed and trying to take over the world, and uh, <laughs> I felt like you guys kind of took our families under your wings and were kind of like just bringing a little bit of wisdom, a little bit of even keel, you know, <laughs> let, you know, let's take a deep breath and walk down the hill rather than run down the hill kind of stuff. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> you remember everything. yeah, right. And, um, so uh, the first thing I want to talk about is your overnight success <laughs> that took six years. Yeah. So, so from the salad business, what, uh, let's talk about, you know, the Chinese lessons and the French lessons, and then realizing the wonders of Canada. Ah, the wonders of Canada. Yes, we began thinking that China would be a great place to start with our import-export, so we began to learn Chinese lessons. And unfortunately, there was the Tiananmen Square massacre, so we decided, well, my goodness, what can we do instead of that? And it just so happened because there was the NAFTA Free Trade Agreement with North, you know, for the whole North American region, there was something we could do that we would only have to know English and we wouldn't have to learn a language, a new language. So we decided to move to Canada, to Vancouver specifically, British Columbia. And, you know, on the way there, funny thing happened, we fell in love with Seattle. So we settled there in a border town on the Lummi Indian Reservation, which was just over the border. So we lived there for a couple of years, just going back and forth across the border, finding products. And chocolate was one of the very first products that we found that we had a natural affinity for. And so we began to decide who we might be able to sell that to. And because we loved Trader Joe's just as customers, being from California, which is where they started at the time, they only had 23 stores. So we decided, well, let's try Trader Joe's for them first. And they decided they loved it and ordered nearly a million dollars worth the first order. <laughs> and, and getting a meeting at Trader Joe's was a little different back then, I understand. 
Yes, there was only uh, uh, 20, 30-something stores at the time, so that was a lot of product. Even though Trader Joe's, as we know, they're a $12 billion company now, they've always moved a lot of product and bought things by the container loads, but certainly uh, they're a lot bigger now than they were then, for sure. And uh, you're able to just call and say, can we have a meeting? Yes, and it was a different uh, time then where you could just schedule a meeting, schedule an appointment, and walk in, <clears throat> present your product. If they liked it, they would buy it, but... Uh, everything is different and everything is done online and it's hard to get in there now or, or, or most places. Uh, it's it's a different buying process, as you know, trying to get into larger chains these days. And it was back in the simple days. Yeah. You know, um, I feel like it's interesting, you know, hearing the story of, oh, we just had our one meeting and they bought a million dollars of product on the spot. Um, those are the kind of things that get covered in, in business stories and, and like motivational speaking a lot. And the six years of workup to getting to that meeting gets skipped. Do you do you feel that way? Yes, absolutely. That, that's true because you, you do have to uh, stay consistent in your vision and, and your desires and what you want. We uh, I had been a commodities broker for uh, some years uh, in Los Angeles. In fact, was doing the commodity report on television in Los Angeles. Uh, Kari realizing that uh, it had been our dream for so long to start the import-export business, she says, if you're ever going to do it, you have to go ahead and make a move to do it now. And so we just one day decided to go ahead and quit uh, being commodities brokers and moved up to uh, Seattle. Again, we were heading to Vancouver and fell in love with Seattle. But uh, there was a lot that happened in the, in the, in the meantime. But you have to uh, follow your dream and pursue what it is that you really love and what that you say that you want to do. And I, I give her all the credit for encouraging us to uh, make that move at that particular time. <laughs> Well, I feel like one of the things that you have set the example for, for our families and myself specifically, um, I, I feel like I hadn't really been experienced, you know, I hadn't really been exposed to anyone who thought through experience design like the two of you previous to, to the time we spent together. And, um, you know, it's interesting. I feel like you're almost like uh, treasure hunters hunting for like the best experience products can give. Yeah. And the the examples you've told me from so many different industries and different kinds of products and different kinds of services, it's like uh, it's seen if it's felt like you've intentionally cultivated an eye for what's the kind of experience that will become a magnet for an organization. That's exactly what we did and do because we can hardly do anything or go anywhere without looking at everything from that standpoint. We're, we're always seeing how things could be done better, designed better, presented better, you know, to give exactly that the customer the best experience. Yes. And, and uh, it doesn't matter what it is from the from the simplest to the more complicated. Uh, I'll give you just a, a case in point of what you were uh, sort of alluding to. Uh, when we were living in San Diego years and years ago, uh, they, they have a, a market, a farmer's market there called uh, San Marcos. And I went there and they had the best cherries that I'd ever had in my entire life. They were huge. They were dense. They were dark. They were sweet. And I said to myself, I said, if God was to say, I want some cherries, these are the ones that you would give him. 
they were that good. <laughs> but so the details of that experience, I never forgot. And even when we moved to Seattle to Washington State, and, we, you know, I was in advertising as well when we were in Washington State, I would drive all over Washington State just trying to find those same cherries that I find in San Marcos, <laughs> That could California. rival those. That could rival those. So uh, things like that that make, that make an impression on you. They've affected us where our business is concerned, but you hit your hit it on the head in terms of developing an eye for a certain experience mm-hmm. that you want to replicate and share with other and, people. And that also goes back to, as we've mentioned to you before, that we consider ourselves going about life as life artists. That we're we're our intention is to create a masterpiece with our vision you know, for whatever it is we're doing, and we just try to discern and, and allow you know, really our faith to direct us to what it is that we should be doing. And so we don't take it lightly that we don't want to be haphazard in what it is that we do, but there's an intention. There is life by design is what we always say. I'm glad you brought up that word intention. I I feel like um, you guys have set the example for me on doing things intentionally. You know, I think about... um, whether it's doing it yourselves or pointing out that other people are doing it. Um, you know, it's funny. I don't know how many years later it is now, but we, we, you know, we still talk about going to dinner at Charlie Trotter's in Cabo with you guys. Yeah. That was a wonderful experience. That, together. That, that, that was classic. I, must I feel say. like we had the restaurant to ourselves. It's all these courses and the, this and the, that, and the, and it, <laughs> not giant portions, just like incredibly well but done, perfect. you know? Yeah. And the way they serve the food and the progressive style, remember, it seemed like they, floated in a line towards us and delivered it on cue. Yeah, it was like a balletic Yeah, it was almost a ballet the way they served uh-huh. the food there. It was wonderful. And Char- Charlie Trotter's passed away since that time. I thought about you when that happened. Ah, uh, you know, it's interesting for me because so much in the entrepreneur world or the innovator world, you know, um, on the show we're talking a lot about how can we make the world better and how can we, how can we do hybrid between businesses business and making the world better, right? And it seems like for me, so much on the nonprofit side and on the entrepreneur side, you hear so much about the better product or the, Mm -hmm. the, the better invention, you know, whether it's, um, Hey, this, this invention will keep babies warm in the third world Mm -hmm. at at a cheaper, more sustainable way than's ever been done. That's great. Right. Mm -hmm. But I feel like, okay, that's great. That's the first half of the story. And then they forget the second half of the story of, yeah, but how do you get all the mothers in Africa to want that? You yes. know, right. That's and, right. and um, you know, certainly there's marketers who who spend their whole life thinking about marketing and and designing experience, design experience, and stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Um, experience design, sorry. Uh, and so often it feels like the CEOs and the entrepreneurs they don't. <clears throat> There's not as much of a culture in the entrepreneur world mm-hmm. to get as intentional as this, and I, I feel like in the last few years with the you know the the sainthood of Steve Jobs, yes. <laughs> there's become more of the like, you know, people found out that he wants that box to feel like this when it opens, and they start hearing about how obsessive he was about design, sure. and all of a sudden now it's becoming cooler to to be like this. But yeah. I feel like you guys were doing this way before people were talking about it. Sure. Um, and I, I remember the kind of things that you would point out to me, like like that, for instance, that dinner. You know, it's a fancy dinner. It was fun. But it was it's interesting to me that, like, one of the main points you pointed out to me even weeks later when we were home was how, you know, we had four people serving us. And yet 
it, it was completely unintrusive. You know, like they, it was almost like they weren't there mm-hmm. in the way that they were facilitating us having a good time. They weren't interrupting us. They were trying mm-hmm. to enhance the experience. They weren't trying to put our experience on hold so they could get done what they needed to get done. Sure. Well, that, that also sort of speaks to, you know, as we said, these are our chocolates are the chocolates of celebration. And in everything we do to market the chocolates, we barely speak of chocolate because mm. we are we think of ourselves as sell as promoting celebration, not trying to sell chocolate because it's it's all about the experience for the customer. It's not, you know, there's a lot of wonderful chocolates out there. Of course, we think ours are the best, but, you know, there's a lot of good chocolate out there to be had. But what we put forward to the customer is there are just wonderful experiences in your life that you sometimes allow to go past you. And with these chocolates, this tangible reminder to celebrate them, it, it gives you a point of reference to remember this day, you know, whether it's a, a wedding day for a bride or a birthday or an anniversary. So we talk more about those events in their lives rather than the actual piece of chocolate so much itself. Well, it, it's so interesting how much that lines up with the brain science that, you know, for 50 years, there was all this research talking about how logical humans were, and, and we'd like to believe that about ourselves. Yes. But it, once fMRI machines came out and it showed up that, you know, the part of the brain that lights up when you're making a decision is the limbic system, which is the same part of your brain where emotions are held. And, sure. you yeah. know, yeah. sure, the, the neocortex, the frontal lobes of your brain are processing the logic, and then you're going to have emotion about the logic and make the decision. You know, right? You know, I'm thinking about when you were talking, Kari, I was thinking about, you know, I don't care which magazine you look at in, in the high-end magazines. Every time you see a uh, Patek uh, Felipe ad, mm-hmm. um, you are seeing something about passing on the legacy, you know, the dad and the son. It's yeah. like uh-huh. it's like advertisements for family traditions. It just happens to be a, you know, a watch that costs as much as a Tesla. But, sure. you know, it's yeah. <laughs> they're not talking about being a Swiss watch. Everybody, everybody <laughs> else in the yeah. Swiss watch business is doing that. The precision, the care, you know, yeah. that's already expected. They're like selling the emotion of Absolutely. family connection or whatever. And, and that's what we also say, which is why we decided not to have a, a local store. So we don't have a chocolate shop. We sell, you know, exclusively online, whereas before we did it, you know, wholesale to a lot of different stores. But when we thought about starting our own manufacturing, we decided not to have a store because our intention is not to be that quick fix piece of chocolate at your local store, which is wonderful. And we all want and need that too, but we're, because we are selling an experience or promoting an experience, it was more important that because it is high end chocolate and it does cost more than the, you know, dollar 50 truffle that you might could stop in the store and buy, then you, you have to make it something that, you know, you're, you're, you're sort of foraging for this thing. You're going online, you're looking for it. You're, you know, you're wanting this and you're not minding that you will pay more for it. than you will the piece of chocolate at the local store because you're not paying for that piece of chocolate only. You're paying for that memory of how you made the most of that event that you brought it to, whether it was an event between a couple of people sitting and sharing a few pieces 
or a room full of people, we our boxes of chocolate are called celebration boxes. And we purposefully don't have a gift box per se, because we're also not so much concerned with selling just a little gift of a box of chocolate. Our chocolates are meant for you to share and have an actual event or celebration. Exactly. Mm. Well, I want to talk about that pricing thing. You know, that's something that so many entrepreneurs, um, I think it's easy for us to sit around our boardroom table with our other founders and, and talk ourselves into why our price is the right price. And, and we'll go back to, you know, year 2000 and, and getting into this and, and how much this world exploded for you and the ups and downs and, and the relaunch here last year. But I was fascinated when you talked about the soft launch in 2015, uh, in 2015 where you were out there making sure that the market was like it was 15 years ago and, exactly. and, and confirming your thoughts about pricing. I mean, people talk such a good game about uh, testing and then in reality, they usually just do what they think. Sure. So t- tell us about what this was like, and 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 uh, <clears throat> then we'll talk about the kind of response you got from it, too. Sure. It, it was <clears throat> very interesting. Uh, you know, we've believed in the product because, obviously, we created it uh, the years ago that we did in conjunction with the uh, Times Square Millennium Celebration and under license with uh, one of the large uh, domestic champagne producers. And so we knew... Uh, how well it was received and how well it, it, it could be done. Uh, but in doing our own factory, uh, we put in all the other elements of uh, producing the very highest quality piece of chocolate. We bought the absolute best French chocolate and, and Belgian chocolate and all the other ingredients that we use, use the finest ingredients, and uh, produce some amazing uh, uh, cutting-edge Capsules, the capsules just like you take off the uh, top of a champagne bottle, and there's so many little details, fine details to that. And uh, put it together and uh, got it online and, and, and tested it in the marketplace and uh, did some uh, serious tasting panels with it as well. In fact, uh, we tasted it, had it tested against uh, what is considered the top two champagne truffles in the world, and uh, the panel. uniformly came back and said there's no close second to what it is that you guys have here and that was certainly very rewarding uh to have confirmation of what we thought it might possibly be Uh, we also did a lot of sampling so we probably sampled probably two or three thousand pieces of chocolate (laughs) some people have to do the hard work so you know you just got to gut it up and you got (laughs) to do the hard work Yes. yes. So that that also, you know, each time we presented the chocolate to people where they looked at the packaging, saw that it was in a champagne capsule, an actual authentic champagne capsule, you know, as Joel mentioned, adjusting all of the details for a piece of, you know, for an edible to go inside of the champagne capsule and just the experience of the the tab that you pull off when you do pull off the top of a champagne bottle well the placement of that tab on this actual chocolate cork that was you know you you can't believe how many months it took just to make sure that that was in the proper location and all of those things and the artwork and the all of that to you know promote this experience very minute details almost like you were saying like the iphone Mm -hmm. uh but it translated into the experience and they received it in the way that we wanted them to receive it and uh had responses that were just unbelievable. And so that was some confirmation for us to go forward. And being with. able to deliver that experience at the price point that was arrived at through certainly years of experience and paying attention to what 
you know, even though we hadn't been doing chocolate for a while, we never stopped paying attention to what was going on. We still often attended the fancy food show in New York City, which is the largest specialty food show. So we continued to attend things like that so that we could stay up on what was coming into the marketplace. And and over and over, it was confirmed to us that there was still a place for this chocolate. And so when we launched last year, we just had a definitive outcry from the people that got to try it. Yes, yes, I want this. And the champagne business, as well as the chocolate business, it's a very snooty business as well. So people at uh, Dom Perignon Champagne and, and, and Crystal and uh, all the rest of them that are out there, along with the Godivas of the world, etc. You know, they are very discerning, very particular, and French chefs and pastry chefs, etc. So you have to understand that's the world that you're playing to who can judge you harshly if you're wrong. So we want to make sure that we got it right and forcefully. Yeah. Yes, so, we, we had about 300 chefs and other food critics and all of that. We had them in the gift bags at the Savannah Food Festival. Mm. And so they are, so, you know, we could have gotten a lot of bad feedback or anything, you know, so you never know. You just never know what the uh, yeah. response will be. Or so, certainly at the Grammys with, you know, a lot of just celebrities and people that are used to eating fine chocolates and things like that. So, yeah. So, uh, and let's talk about that in just a second, but just before we move off price. So, um, t- tell me what the price is and why you, why they're not cheaper and why they're not more expensive. That's a great question. Uh, they, they are, uh, $72 a pound, uh, 25 piece. Well, actually for a nine piece, which they're about 1.1 ounces each. They're $36. So basically, they're $4 each. Yeah. Uh, and so for one piece of chocolate to be $4, that, that's, that's, that's a nice price, but it's, it's very fair for the quality that you're getting as well. That's more than twice what we charged back when we had our launch back in the year 2000 uh, from a retail price point. But since we're selling them online, you get the benefit of the full profit as opposed to selling them wholesale, uh, which is good. Now, do, you, do you feel like there's any... Do you feel like there's any benefit of the price signals? Hey, this is for a special event of like, hey, we don't want to just get any chocolate. I plan on only getting married once. We're not just going to get any chocolate. Let's get the special stuff. Yeah, that goes into it as well because it it could bear that price because it is a celebration chocolate. And again, it isn't the piece of chocolate down at the corner shop. It it bears that price because there, there are many fine chocolates out there. Some of them are more expensive. And... But for what it is that we, you know, the ingredients, the presentation, the packaging, which, you know, as much as it is about the design more than almost the cost of the packaging and the experiences is important because more people have very, very expensive packaging. Our packaging isn't particularly expensive. It's it's actually much more organic the capsules are one thing, but the boxes that we put them in, we made a point to have, you know, eco-friendly packaging, things that aren't as pricey as a, you know, great gift box with all the colors and the, you know, three-color design and printing and all of that. And we've done that before. We've, we've had very expensive packaging done back when we used to do wholesale chocolates for others, and we decided to go with more of a low-key echo natural thing this time 
and have the have the dollars go into the quality of the product and the actual exactly. individual packaging. And not a and not a fancy shop and, and, and all of that. And people love it for that reason. I, I mean, mean it, it's incredible. We thought about, you know, maybe later we would do some of that and we still may you know have a few, you know, true gift boxes. But the response has been overwhelming with the packaging. Uh, I mean incredible. Yeah. Okay. And so let's talk about overwhelming. That you know, that's for, for lots of people, any entrepreneur would say that in order to make it sound like things are going well. Yes. But most entrepreneurs don't have the Grammys and the Oscars calling them. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Yeah, because we thought that was something that might happen a year later, you know, after we got our name out there and, you know, just had more experience in the marketplace. But, I mean, we've had to turn more people down than anything, just like with the Oscars. We, we had to actually turn them down because we, we just weren't going to for certain be able to meet what it was that they needed. And so we actually had to turn them down. They called back four times. And I mean, you know, it was like very much like you have to do this. And so we've had a lot of calls like that. And that's what's made us really take stock of how we want to proceed. Because, in you know, you only have once to make a first impression. And so going forward, because of, you know, very prestigious things like that and others, we want to be able to, supply the demand going forward yes yeah. i was, I was go ahead joel i was in the post office jeff uh picking up uh, mail from us uh having uh, been traveling and i happened to have uh uh i had some chocolate out in the car and the lady was so nice she helped us at the counter to uh, get our mail expeditiously and not stand in a long line so i said hang on i got something for you and uh so i went out to the car got her a couple of pieces of chocolate uh <laughs> and you know, was working my way back out. She opened the chocolate, giving one to somebody else, and they were, I just heard screaming shrill to the top of, I, I thought somebody was robbing the post office. <laughs> but they were saying, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And she just, she ordered and, four and by boxes. The, by the time I got home, there was an order for four boxes yeah. uh, that they'd already ordered. I just gave a card and a couple pieces of chocolate and didn't say a word to her about it. But that's the type of response, and that would be yes. typical of what we've seen with this product. Yeah. Uh, well, and, tremendous. and so I want to talk about something because uh, I feel like, again, you guys are very thoughtful about this. Most entrepreneurs would say, how could you imagine turning down the Oscars? What a great, you uh, know, you're trying to get attention for what you guys are doing. Turn yes. down the Oscars. And, sure. and there's so many of these, like, we love these war stories of, the entrepreneur who really didn't have the resources to get it done, but they yeah. just overpromised and figured it out, right? Well, you know, we, and they and we don't like to talk about everybody <laughs> who gambled and didn't yeah. didn't didn't land on red. You know, well, well, we you just know, talk about deliverability. We kind of did that because the the Grammys were two weeks before that, so we did that for the <laughs> Grammys because we turned them down at first. But we, you know, we were like, "What are we doing?" You know, we have to do it. So we did that, and we like to have killed ourselves. <laughs> so we just said we just can't do the Oscars. We can't do it back to back because something could go terribly wrong. Luckily, things worked out with the Grammys. But we were like, if we try that again, just two weeks later, it may not. And and we definitely don't want that to happen. So that that made us remember the lessons we had learned in years past where you do want to promise less and deliver more. So while we were able to come through for the Grammys, we didn't want to take any chance on not having another opportunity for the Oscars. And we still understand the, the true value of what it is that we have and that we're building a, a long-term uh, brand equity uh, up. And so... Because we, we, we 
uh, have nothing but goodwill sort of laid out in front of us now, uh, whether it's the Cannes Film Festival, Film Festival or the MTV Awards, all of those people are still calling us right now because of what we've already done. So it's better to sort of be in the starting gate, sort of jumping around, than to have got, you know gone off a little bit too soon. And so it takes discipline to be able to uh, understand that and discern mm -hmm. the right and the wrong thing to do in a situation. But uh, we know that we made the right call for sure. Yeah, uh, and, and we have. We'll have an opportunity because they didn't quite give us enough time. They did call at the very last minute. So, but you have to understand. And one of the things we talked about uh, years ago uh, was the power of saying no. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, we're going to talk about. Okay, we're going to come back to that. Okay, First, I'm going to write some notes. <laughs> but see that that is what experience does teach you, and that we're having the benefit of that now. So, you know, it's all a gamble. It's a it's a gamble to do it when you're really not quite prepared or ready to do it. And it's certainly also a gamble to not do it because then they just remember they didn't come through. That's there's always a risk there. But, you know, you do have to weigh those things and and just, you know, prepare for better another time. Yeah. And I think what I think my point was everybody loves the like the 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 Rudy story the against all odds they made it happen right yeah sure. um and and it's a lot less dramatic to talk about you know to to quote Warren Buffett where he says it takes twenty years to build a reputation and five minutes to lose it sure. yes yes <clears throat> you know that there's a level of discipline that you know we're kind of in a microwave society where we want it just as long as it's fast cheap and easy yes mm -hmm. and credibility and reputations don't come that way yes my understanding sure. Um, well, I, I want to talk about things like the power of saying no in a minute. Um, and, uh, but a couple of standard questions we'd like to ask everybody is, um, can both of you pick one, one of your top books that you think entrepreneurs or innovators out there should be reading these days? Sure. Uh, the Art of War. We've we got several. Jesus CEO would be number one. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. Art of War. And The Greatest Salesman in the World or anything by Og Mandino. Because <laughs> I mean, he, you know, you name it, all of his books are really great. And it's just finding, because in The Greatest Salesman in the World, it really teaches you a lot about finding something of value to sell and makes you able to sell anything. Because, you know, we knew nothing about making salads, particularly when we did Joe's Fresh Garden salads or doing chocolate. We didn't know anything about chocolate. We didn't know anything about a lot of different things. But Really, anything you sell is really the same principles, no matter what. Obviously, you have to do your research and all of that. But it's really having a, an affinity for what it is you're selling. So you really have the true, genuine excitement. And The Greatest Salesman in the World, that, that's where we got that. We read that many, many years ago, and, and that was one of the best. And, and certainly The Alchemist, because... It sends you out on a quest. And if there's anything when you're an entrepreneur, you're on a quest and you're going to run into, <laughs> you're going to run into a lot of obstacles that you have to overcome and, and not get discouraged. One of our principles is the Botang principle. I don't know if you've heard of this designer. Uh -huh. He's a, a designer of suits out of Britain. Men's, um, men's suits. Yeah, men's suits. And he said he had to when he was receiving all the love 
before he had sold anything really. You know, people were loving his designs, you know, when we, he would have his exhibitions, but he really hadn't sold anything. And so it was like, yeah, everybody loves them, but, you know, when am I going to actually be able to get someone to buy these suits? Because they're very expensive suits. But he said he had to still believe in his designs and his business when he was getting the love and not the sales. So we always keep that in mind as well. That's great. Um, another question we always ask people is um, for our, the charity we started, Child Rescue, trying to prevent child sex trafficking and rescue the kids that, that have been exploited already. Um, what advice would you guys have as far as attracting more people to care about that issue? That, that's, that's a great question. First of all, I want to congratulate uh, <clears throat> you and Stephanie and your entire family and, and uh, team on the excellent work that you guys have been uh, doing. Uh, it's hard to uh, look around without seeing, uh, you know, other efforts that are going on in concert with what you guys are doing too. But, you know, it's, it's as you know, uh, come to be uh, something that is known, but people don't like to look at it because, you know, it, it, it reflects a sick, a sick part of our society. Uh, I was talking with this uh, business, and, and you, you've heard of uh, uh, the commercial, uh, I Fall and I Can't Get Up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was talking to some people who actually own that company. And they were saying, everybody knows about that. They have one of the highest uh, recognitions of their marketing campaign that you've ever, ever seen. Life Alert, that's what they call it. And, but they said, this is the hardest sale that you will ever make. And I said, why is that? She said, you'll never guess. I said, no, I, I, I couldn't guess. She said, because everybody who saw this, saw it maybe 20 or 30 years ago when it first came out, <clears throat> And they're the people who actually need it right now, but they don't want to admit that they're that person now. You know, that it's, it, we call it the I'm not feeble principle. You know, uh, Kari's grandmother, anytime you would try to help her, she would say, no, don't help me. I'm not feeble. So that was one of those points. So there's something in human nature, unfortunately, that doesn't want to look at certain things. And I think in terms of uh, the child rescue, that, that just is an inherent part of that. However, in terms of going forward with that, you, you still have to make uh, just an earnest uh, plea and, and just really show it to people uh, that, uh, especially with your wife's story, it, it's so compelling and it's so so deep. Uh, I, I think a lot of people, they, they turn their heads away and they don't realize what is really going on in the real society. But I think as you continue to tell the story and have witnesses as you guys are helping so many people as you're doing your life coaching, just to share those stories as much as possible and have your celebrity endorsers, endorsers as you guys have had, uh, they'll continue to make that issue uh, broader and broader in the wider community. And what I would add to that, it, it's, you know, again, it's, it's like with anything, what you have to put forward and have people appreciate is the experience of being people that do something about something that they don't want in the world. And so whether it's the child rescue or, or trying to cure a disease or, or anything that's tough to, to look at and deal with, it's about is this something that could be remedied or resolved and you didn't do anything to do your part? So it's really about people want to help. People want to be a part of solutions. So it's almost more about sharing solutions with people than the 
the distasteful or the difficult thing that it is mm. as an issue in and of itself. So you don't go around as much talking about this is a terrible thing, this is a terrible thing, look at this terrible thing, look at this terrible thing, as much as you say, look at what this effort solved. Look at what happened once this person, these people were able to meet up with this remedy. That's what you want to put <laughs> I, I love it. I, it. It reminds me, I think this one guy might have told me once that nothing breeds success like success. I don't, yes. I don't know who that could be, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, for the listeners, Joel specifically is such a mentor for me early. Um, and, and the two of you have these, you know, your life principles. And, we're, and um, I wish we had time to go through your 300 life principles on the show. Uh, I think what we're going to do for everybody listening is we're going to have show notes and, and I'm going to write up about things that, that Joel really burned into my, my brother's minds when, you know, after leaving mergers and acquisitions at Citigroup and before we started our own investment fund, these, these things about, you know, the flaws of the leader will show up in the organization and the, the, uh, you know, if you don't want something repeated, don't repeat it yourself. <laughs> and, yes. and then we added and definitely don't put it in email, but, uh, you know, uh, CEO that I, I was, I do some advisory work for just the other week, you know, we're going through something that I've had a lot of entrepreneurs come talk to me about. I feel like I was just switching roles with you of, man, I've got this situation. It's so tough. This is what I want to have happen. And I say, can I, can I share Joel Davisism with you? <laughs> your, your only power in a negotiation is your ability to say no. And what we're talking about right now sounds like you're about to get an education of them telling you how it's going to be. Because yeah. uh, if you don't have the ability to say no, this is not a negotiation. That's um, right. <laughs> but I, I really want to spend like an hour talking about these. But being that we don't have as much time on the show, the, the one thing I feel like um, I feel like it'd be the most value right now is to talk about um, family. You know, we we seem to pretend like we've got a work life and a home life, and that somehow we're like. I don't know if we're supposed to be split personality or some, that somehow they're, they're not one part of the same life. Sure. Um, but, you know, you guys have obviously beat the statistics in this country staying married for 35 years, mm -hmm. but being business partners for 35 years. Sure. Is even, so, so the combo of the two of those, uh, I feel like you're like in a very small minority sure. um, of, of being able to um, being able to make that work when it's, you know, we live in such a me, me, me society and you add the the level of emotion that comes with financial anxiety mm -hmm. and and just the fact that two humans are never going to see things exactly the same mm -hmm. and to have you know really important decisions for your business and for your family mm -hmm. that have had to come up over and over and over for 35 years in a row Absolutely. and to yet have the two of you so unified still mm -hmm. um do you want to take just a couple of minutes and and maybe just talk about um some of the things that you feel like have allowed the two of you to beat the odds? Well, uh, you know, being business partners, certainly we, we're uh, blessed to be able to go into in the same direction. Uh, and because we had sort of a like mind and a like heart and believe in the same way, uh, have faith in the same way, uh, you know, that's always great uh, to be able to have. But I've always wanted to help her to grow and develop in the ways that she's needed to want and to grow. She's more of a creative part. Uh, a creative spirit. Uh, Kari's also a, a great writer, and uh, she's worked for the Getty uh, Museum in Los Angeles, 
Uh, we've traveled uh, the world uh, working as uh, head auctioneers for our Caribbean, for our Royal Caribbean. Uh, we got a chance to go all through Europe and the Caribbean as well. And so, and CAR has always been supportive of me in terms of uh, my business pursuits and uh, the import-export business. And, uh, and so those things work together, uh, you know, just in terms of, uh, keep, of keeping us strong. You know, we've, we've been to nearly every winery in uh, California, Oregon, and Washington. And, it, and it's such a beautiful, uh, wineries are such beautiful places to go. So when you get a chance to share things like that or uh, travel being on a cruise ship together, we've had so many uh, unifying experiences that most people, uh, they hope at some point, we've driven across the country uh, for like three months in a, in a car, and uh, we've traveled the, the country numerous times on the train. We love traveling by train. Yeah, so, we start, when we first started our import-export business, bringing Canadian companies to the attention of the, the buyers in the States, we lived on Amtrak for eight months, just traveling all over the country, sharing the products with people at you know places like Nordstrom and, and many other yeah, places. Yeah, we couldn't afford to fly all those places, so we just... Uh, they have a, a called an All Board America Pass, where you go to uh, so many cities, get off, and then come back and start all over again. So we've bought those for years and years and years, and we still travel quite extensively on the train. And I think it's just knowing each other's, you know, knowing within yourself your own strengths and weaknesses, yes. and then knowing what strengths and weaknesses each one of us bring to the table. And so I know where I'm not as good at something and he's better and vice versa so because we understand each other as husband and wife as well as business partners you don't step on each other's toes as much because it's like oh, okay well she's better at that than I am or he's better at that than I am like he's better at math <laughs> <laughs> never do math in public people yes we've had to learn and grow and adjust and again, and readjust and readjust, but we've been open to doing those things at the same time. We're, we're very, uh, because we've also lived a lot of places. We've lived, you know, on the East Coast, the West Coast, North, South, desert. Southwest, in the desert. We've lived so many different we've lived places. We lived in 7,000 square feet. We lived in 700 square feet. Yeah, so we, we kind <laughs> of know that we, it's almost like we've done a lot of demographic work just in how we've lived our own lives. Because we know the thinking of the people in the north of America, in the south of America, in the west, in the east. So we, we kind of have a, a good idea of the marketplace nationally because of the places we've lived and the places we've traveled just within our own country. And we're not rigid and we become adaptable because we've yes. had to, you know, experience so many different and, things. And acclimate. Well, and I feel like the two of you set an example also of... Um, I think that uh, there's maybe an extra amount of of being interest in each other's interest for, for the other person. I remember Joel talk you talking to me about Kari's screenplays, oh, sure. and and um, you had a level of passion about them that I don't think necessarily came from your own interest in screenplays, but because your wife was into them, you made the time to care about them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that. Uh, I feel like there's so much, so many temptations to selfishness, mm-hmm. which I feel like is the enemy of marriage. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any thoughts about that? Well, I know just as Joe had mentioned earlier, because, you know, starting out in marriage, because we had talked about import export in college, but, you know, you kind of get off track just trying to make a living. And at one point, you know, just knowing that wasn't feeding his spirit, that his dream was where, you know, the, the reward would be. 
And so I just told him, look, you have to stop doing this and you just have to go for it. If not now, when? And it was like, whatever it is we have to face to do this, to bring it into reality, we'll do. And I, and I notice, a, you know, a lot of people, it's very difficult if you have one entrepreneur and the other person is much more logical, you know, much more about, you know, that paycheck every two weeks, because the things that you have to weather as an entrepreneur, obviously those aren't for everyone. And what has served us well is we both appreciate and understand, as some people say, you are hardcore dream chasers. I used to have a, <laughs> news, I used to have a newsletter called the dream chaser because, you know, we just won't let it stop us, you know, whatever it is that we come up against. But that's because we both think that way. I may be more creative. He may be more logical minded, if you will. But we both feel the same way about that quest you know, yeah. your calling, destiny, you know, your heart's desire. So because we are like-minded in those particular ways, we both don't want to stop no matter, you know, if anything, it's our greatest strength and sometimes our greatest weakness because, <laughs> <laughs> because we will not stop. Yeah, sometimes people have said, would you guys stop already? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually feel like, I mean, I feel like this could be a two-day interview. Uh, I actually feel like that's a great place to stop. You know, I feel like if the rest of us could a take that advice for our own families, but but also in the partnerships, you know, the the co-founders. If people would approach it with more of that long-term thinking that you guys have brought, um, there'd be a, a lot higher percentage of, of organizations that make it, startups that make it. Um, Let me give you one last principle. We yeah. said you have to endure. Endure how long? Until. Until what? Until it's done. <laughs> it's a t-shirt right there. Yeah. Okay, you can buy that t-shirt at ideationcollective.com. Right. So, well, listen, uh, everybody who's listening, we're going to have photos. We're going to have links so you can buy these uh, these chocolates on, on Joel and Kari's page on ideation on iCollective.co. Um and uh, we really appreciate making the time to be on the show today, guys. Thank you Our so pleasure. much. Thank it you was, so much, Jess. It was an honor to be on your show. We really enjoyed ourselves. Thank you. <laughs> Talk to you soon. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that's the show. Thanks for listening today. Again, if you're interested in the bonus materials that we will be producing, make sure to come to our website and join the Ideation Collective while it's still free. The website, iCollective.co slash free. Again, iCollective.co slash free. And as always, if you want to learn more about getting involved in helping the team rescue kids from traffickers, please visit iCollective.co slash child rescue. Now's the time to find your color, your paint, and everything to get started during red, white, and blue savings at the Home Depot. Transforming your room is easier than ever. With the best deals online and in-store, you can confidently select your color and the tools for your next paint project. Get a colorful new experience and the right paint for the right price. Save $10 on one gallon and $40 off three and five gallons for a limited time only at The Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 25 gallons per household. See store for details.